Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on being unhidden. Let's look in Genesis real quick. I just love, love, love. The song Hannah sang this morning. Oh, where can I run? Where can I hide that you're not there? And you, you know my heart, all of my thoughts you understand. I can't outrun your love. I can't outrun your love. You love me when I'm up. You love me when I'm down. Your love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. You love me when I'm lost. You love me till I'm found. Your love, it surrounds me. I can't get away. You see all my mess, all my mistakes, and you love me still. And though I may never, I may waver, I'm still convinced that you never change. I've been to the bottom. I've been to the top. I can't run run away. Your love will never stop. With me in the morning, in the dead of night, you're not leaving, so I'm not leaving. Everywhere I go, I find you. Everywhere I run, you're there. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 today. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, Hallelujah, you surely will not die, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord... God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Verse 11, I think it's so powerful. What a question. And he said, who told you that you were naked? And have you, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me 
and I ate. So the blame game started. The man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the snake, right? But I think it's amazing that God says, who told you that you were naked? And we know the tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I believe it's a tree of contrast. It's a tree that brings a revelation of contrast. And so all that Adam and Eve knew were good things. They knew good. They just didn't know evil. So when they partook of the sin of the tree, they now, their eyes are open to evil. And so God was like, I just want you to know good and not evil. They got hung up on some type of knowledge that was going to be lacking. He just didn't want you to have any reference point so that you could see a comparison. No evil, just good. But the serpent deceived them, obviously, and they hid themselves. And as soon as they said they were naked, he said, who told you? And did you partake of the tree? The revelation that they were naked immediately gave away the fact that they ate of the tree because now they have a knowledge of good and evil. So now they have a knowledge of lacking insufficiency, insecurity, everything that is miserable in our lives, they are now aware of, and there was an absence of that before. So when they said we were naked, immediately they had to have eaten of the tree. But I think it's so crazy um, to think of Adam and Eve hiding. I mean, like, where do you hide? Like the song Hannah was singing this morning. I mean, where do you hide from the Lord? His presence is everywhere. Look at Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Could you imagine trying to find a hiding place with somebody whose eyes are in every place? I mean, you just keep looking, right? Let me try this closet. Oh, nope, there's his eyes. Let me try this place. Let me try this place. His eyes are everywhere. You cannot hide. You cannot hide. Jeremiah 23, 24, can a man hide himself in hiding places so, do I, so I do not see him. Can a man hide himself in hiding places where I can't see him? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth? Every place does a man think he can hide from me. You know, if I say you can't hide from God, That evokes two contrasting emotions. <laughs> Some of you say, oh, no. That's not a good thing. When I say his eyes are everywhere, some of y'all are like, oh. I mean, you already knew it, but I just reminded you of it, right? <laughs> Sometimes we forget while we're doing the things that we think he can't see. And then someone reminds us, you know, he saw. And we're like, you mean all of it? 
You mean everything? And some of you in this room, when I say you can't hide from God, he sees it all, there's just a weight of peace and rest that comes over you because you've been wondering if he sees some things that you want him to see. Some of us are worried that he sees some things that we don't want him to see, and some of us are worried that he doesn't see some things that we want him to see. And I'm just telling you today, he sees it all. I'm not here to make you feel better in either one of those situations. I'm just going to tell you the truth. He sees. And it's a beautiful thing, even when we're in things that we don't want him to see, when we realize how amazing it is that he sees us, yet he's not leaving. It's amazing that if I said he sees everything and there was a conviction that came over you, that's amazing that the Holy Spirit is convicting you even though you've done things that you wish he didn't see. It's a sign that he loves you, that he would draw you out of those things that you wish he didn't see. So it's evidence that he's still there, even though he saw. I want us to find comfort in the revelation that he sees us in everything and in everywhere, no matter what place we've been. Are you with me? Psalm 139. Verse one, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. Oh me, oh yeah. Whichever way you want to respond. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. Come on, you perceive every movement of my heart and my soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. He's in your future and he's in your past. He's disarming things in your future that are sent to derail you, distract you, delay you, and destroy you. And he's in your past severing things that are trying to pursue you and chase you and hurt you. He is everywhere. He is everywhere. My goal today is before we leave this place, we all are humbled and aware and excited of the intimacy of the knowledge of God of our lives, no matter where we are and no matter where we've been. He goes before us. Man, sometimes the passion is just mm, how it puts things. 
You've gone before me to prepare a way. In kindness, you follow me to spare me from the harm of my past. You've laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Not our understanding of him, his understanding of us. His understanding of us. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. And if I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. Your, for your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. There's no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. Come on, some of y'all's situations, some of the places you've willingly and chose to go and you think it's so dark that he can't invade it, it is like the bright morning sun to him. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping all my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. <clears throat> Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Think about this, verse 17. Every single moment you are thinking of me. Come on, every single moment you're thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherished me, you cherished me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. He's so good. The kindness of God leads us to repentance.
I would hate to take any of these passages and try to invoke fear in people. Like what's done in the dark is going to come into the light and you're going to be exposed. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's not the Lord's heart to expose you. His love and his mercy, it covers us. And he wants to draw us to him with his love. In John chapter four, we see a story of a woman at the well, Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus goes out of his way to meet this woman at this well. And she, he begins to encounter her, and for sake of time, we're not gonna go into all of that, but she comes to a revelation that he's a prophet. So she starts to ask him some questions. And she wants to know where is the right place to worship? Because her people worship in one place and the Jewish people worship in another place. And Jesus tells her the time is coming and even now is that you don't worship where the Jews worship and you don't worship where the Samaritans worship. It doesn't matter where you worship. You just have to worship in spirit and in truth. And truth there is aletheia, and it's a negated form of lenthano, which is latent or hidden. So truth is a negated form of hidden. So it's unhidden. Unhidden. He says, it doesn't matter where you worship, I'm going to be seeking. He doesn't say, I, but the Father seeks those that worship in spirit and truth. And then she says, okay, this is good stuff, but when the Messiah comes, we'll ask him. You ever ask for a supervisor, you know? She's like, okay, but we'll talk to your supervisor one day. And he's like, uh, this is it. <laughs> this is the top right here. But he says, it's not going to matter where you worship as long as you worship unhidden, unhidden, unhidden. What happened in the garden? They said, we were afraid, so we hid. What is he looking for? People who are unafraid, who become unhidden. It says he seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And we've, man, I've heard so many abuses of this. Like, I mean, it makes God seem like he's so insecure and insufficient. And if he doesn't get some worship, he may have a breakdown. Like, he needs your worship. Come on. He doesn't need anything. He is holy, complete, and lacking nothing. In Psalms 50, I don't think we're going to read this. I'll just real quick tell you. He, he just goes through Psalm 50, and he's talking about worship, but he's talking about Old Testament worship. And he says, do you think I get hungry and need your bulls that you sacrifice? 
Do you think I want all those goats that you keep bringing me? Do you think I need a drink of the blood that you surrendered to me? And what he's saying here and contrasting in Psalms, I don't need anything from your worship. There's nothing about your worship that brings any increase or completeness to who I am. Nothing. But I love this. In verse 14 of Psalm 50, he says, why don't you bring me the sacrifices I desire? Bring me your true and sincere thanks and show your gratitude by keeping your promises to me, the most high God. Show your gratitude by keeping your promises to me, the most high God. Doesn't that sound, yeah, do better. Keep your promises. That's the only way you can honor me. I mean, it's kind of tough, but it's true. My kids, um, last night was a perfect example. We had a party for Ezra yesterday. He enjoyed the party. Last night, we were trying to tell him to go to bed. And to not go to bed, he wanted to spend some time thanking us for the party. You know, anybody experience anything like that with your children? And that's just an example, but while I disobey you, I want to give you some lip praise. Here, have my bull while I disobey. Here, have my song while I am not listening to you, what you're really saying. So many times that's what our worship looks like. And I'm not coming to heap any type of heaviness on people today, but I love verse 15. How about this? Can you do this one? Honor me by trusting me in your day of trouble. I don't want you to bring sacrifices to me. I just want you to really trust me. Isn't that powerful? Like there's no outward manifestation that I'm looking for that's ever going to supersede your lack of trust in your heart towards me. See, and then he says, cry aloud to me and I will be there to rescue you. You really want to honor me? Quit trying to act like you're perfect and cry out to me. That's what brings me honor. Because I know where you're really at. I know where you're really at. You're in a place of desperation. Yet when you act like you're in a place that you don't need any help and you don't need me, then you're saying to me, we don't have a relationship that is trustworthy enough for me to be real with you. I don't want your perfection. I don't want your outward performance. I want your realness. I want your unhiddenness. I want your weakness. I want your vulnerability. I want all your mess. That's what brings me honor. Think about it with your children. And nothing I like more than when my children say, Dad. It breaks my heart as they get older. They don't say, Dad, can you open this anymore? I'm asking them, son, can you open this for me? (laughs) 
Son, can you reach that thing I can't reach for me? Son, can you pick up that thing I can't pick up anymore for me? But see, we never get that way with God because we never get to a place where we can pick anything up he can't pick up. We never get to a place we can reach anything that he can't reach. We never get to a place where we're bringing something to him that makes him more complete. We're always in a place of utter dependence on him. He is always the source. He's always the one. He's always the dad. He's always the fulfiller. And what brings him glory is we don't forget that he seeks those who worship him in spirit and in hiddenness he's not seeking because he needs something see the thing is it says he seeks those that worship him so this worship is happening and I believe those that become unhidden send up a beacon. And then his seeking is reconnaissance and his seeking is coming after the beacon. You want to get his attention? Just be unhidden. Don't be perfect, just be real. All I really came to say today is God is not a God of pretense in any way. He has absolutely no value whatsoever in pretense, in performance, in whatever facade we can put on. It brings none, zero, nada, glory to God. And it brings zero, nada, no rest to us. We're in this constant, miserable, striving, fake place, thinking that it somehow honors God. And the worst part is we're dishonoring ourselves we're increasing in misery and we're not glorifying God at all. When he would just so much rather and it's all pointless because his eyes are everywhere. Can you just imagine this whole thing of religious duty and performance not realizing that every thought, every motive, every intention, every blah, 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 everything he knows and he's there. He just wants, all he wants is unhidden people. That's it. Our assignment is to be Unhidden. Our assignment is to be real. And that's it. I'll end with this. I think he'll be okay with it at this point in his journey, I hope. Is Josiah even here this morning? He'll be here next service. One time, we were 
at the beach and we were, we had to drive on this beach to get to where we were going down the road. It's kind of an unusual thing for us. So we loaded up a truck and we're, uh, that came in my head too, moved to Beverly. Anyways, we're going down the road. It ends up being about two and a half miles before we found a good place where we could access the beach. And we get to the beach and I start hearing this argument happen in the back seat. At the time, Josiah was not incredibly physically fit and Nehemiah has never not been physically fit his entire life. Young man is like a, I don't know. And so they're arguing about whether or not Josiah can run this two and a half miles. And Josiah is feeling intimidated and insecure because of Nehemiah's taunting him, which was out of place and out of line. And he says, I can run that entire two and a half miles nonstop, which I don't care how wrong the other person was, your response to tell something absurd is never justified in my house, right? Because that's pretense. I want us to live real. No matter what it is, let's live real. So we get to the place. I let everyone out. I tell Josiah to wait. He's gonna, me and him are gonna do something. Everyone goes to the beach. I say, okay, Josiah, I'm gonna follow you in the truck and you're gonna run back to the house that we came from, two and a half miles, 95 degrees. You're gonna run back the full two and a half miles because you said you could, and let's do it. We didn't run a half mile, and we were done. We got in the truck, and we went for a ride. I took the moment to have a conversation with my son. If everyone in the world believes you can run two and a half miles nonstop in the blazing sun at the beach, but you can't, what good is that? And if not one person, not even your mom and dad, believe that you can really run two and a half miles but you can, who cares? Come on. If you convince everyone in your world a reality that's not true, what in the world have you gained? Yet if not one person in the world believes the reality that's a real reality in your life, who cares? What difference does it make? Can we just put to bed all of the pretense, all of the boasting, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the insecurity and insufficiency? Can we just realize that wherever we are, we are the apple of his eye. He's still working. He's still moving. 
He's still drawing. He's still loving. He's not quit. He's not give up. He's there. And that's pretty impressive knowing what he's seen. Knowing what he's known. Knowing what he has walked with you through. Can we all find rest, whatever state we're in? Can we just find peace today that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere? He fills every place from beginning to end. He's in our future and he's in our past. He's not bringing the shame of our past. He's standing in between us and the shame of our past. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life.